Hey there, lovely souls. I'm your host, Allison Toth, and I want to give you a warm welcome to Wishing You Wellness, the podcast where mental health meets spirituality. When it comes to rock bottom, I've been there more than once, and I know what it's like to wake up daily to mental health struggles. On this podcast, I share insight and stories to help motivate and inspire you and to help you feel less alone in this. In Wishing You Wellness, we talk inner child healing, mindset shifts, radical self-love, the art of intentional living, and so much more. Think of me as your mental wellness bestie. If you're ready to step into your power and change your life, just hit play. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Wishing You Wellness. This is round two, hopefully of round two. My computer has been doing that scary thing again, where I'm like sitting here on Zoom doing an interview with somebody and I just turn into like a ghost and the camera goes all white and it looks really spooky. And yeah, so if anybody works on computers and knows what I'm talking about and has familiar uh, experiences with the phantom of my HP, let me know. That would be amazing. But Needless to say, we are in for an amazing, amazing treat today. I have brought one of my dear friends into the recording studio today. I was actually recently on her podcast and we had a really powerful episode together. I just gave it a listen recently and it was, it was pretty good. Lots of really good downloads, lots of beautiful authenticity and transparency, which is what we're all about here on Wishing You Wellness. So Shaylee, I would love for you to just kind of come in and take up some space, introduce yourself. I was going to do a whole intro for you, but I want you to introduce yourself. I want you to take up sure. some space. Sure. That's what I do too, because I literally forget everybody, even their name when I <laughs> the podcast. I'm like, introduce yourself. So I'm Shaylee Hugendorn. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I am the host of This Is Bipolar Podcast. I'm a teacher, elementary school teacher, mom, wife, and yeah, I do all the things. And I uh, try to be a fierce mental health advocate and I live with bipolar two disorder. Beautiful. And so the very first question I want to ask, because we're going to have like a whole conversation about bipolar disorder today, you guys, when I was on Shaylee's show, we kind of did the same. And what's beautiful about her show is she highlights like all different kinds of people from all different walks of life who are living with mental illness and just making it work and still living their lives to the absolute fullest that is possible. And so I think that that's something really beautiful. And I kind of want to touch on that today. And so I want to start at the beginning though, before I get ahead of myself, like I'm known to do, let's start at the very beginning. When was the first time in your life that you just had the thought like, Hmm, something's different. Something's different about my mind. Something's different about the way that I think my processes. When did you have that first initial? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, um, definitely it's more looking back then probably in the moment, but I knew I was a big feeler, like for like breakups would throw me into bed and make me like, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but like walk by their house. And like, like I just couldn't um, bounce back from things as, as much. And I noticed a pattern, um, you know, I always had this like desperation to, you know, be known or feel like I'm important. And I really thought that that would be shown if I had like a best friend or a boyfriend, but I noticed in my relationships, what would happen is they were like completely attracted to me when I was like super fun, wild, uh, talkative Shaylee. And then, um, then I would hit the winter and I would get 
sad and I would just want to stay home and them to just be with me and watch TV. And I was very, very different. And then so generally at that time, things would go sour in a relationship because I I guess it wasn't fun anymore. <laughs> so I noticed there and also too, it was hard though, because I was the oldest child and I was, um, you know, the only girl and I was a teenager. So I think a lot got chalked up to being a, uh, you know, being a teenager, my parents didn't know, but yeah, I think th those were the times, those were the, the things that I probably noticed the most. Yeah. And so did you notice ever, or do you notice even today that the seasons can affect your moods and your patterns? Yeah. Yeah. So pre-diagnosis, it was almost like clockwork. Like literally uh, my birthday's in April. It's almost my birthday. Happy early uh, birthday. Yeah. And um, so it, around then I would start to get, um, you know, energy and I would start to get ideas and it would kind of go and go. And then it would like heighten in September because that's like my new year because I'm a teacher. So that's when it's like all the new ideas and that kind of thing. And then by end of October, I start to tip downwards. I get a little blip for Christmas. And then by the second week of January, um, I'm still able to function and do the things, but everything is gray. I'm either numb or sad, or I think the world is terrible. And so that would kind of cycle round and round. And I kind of thought it was um, similar, but since I've been medicated, the medication has pretty much taken away the deep, deep sadness or depression. This year was a little bit different in that I had a low grade depression most of the fall and then um, January was pretty tough, but I was talking with my husband and um, I think I have more rapid cycling a little bit now and I it's not as cyclical, harder in the winter, but but not as predictable and cyclical, which is, makes things difficult. But yeah. yeah, before I could, like, I think I often wonder what it would be like to just be depressed and not have hypomania because that's the thing that helped me hold on that I knew, I knew it was coming. And the problem is with hypomania, it doesn't look that extreme, right? And so what happens is I just think that that's regular me. So it took forever to get diagnosed because I thought that was regular me. I thought that, you know, I am a fast talker. I am. And I didn't, I think it's really important to know your baseline, which mine is pretty high anyways, but it just seemed like a little bit higher. Right. So I think that I didn't know, I didn't know anything. Yeah. And so can you elaborate a little bit on what rapid cycling is to anybody who may be listening and may be like, Hmm, what's that one? Yeah. So rapid cycling is where you go in and out of like hypomania, depression, and it's really quickly. And I think I'm not very good with like stats or facts or things like that, but I think it's like something like, yeah, I don't even know, like five times in a week or a day. I don't know. Look it's it up. Go to the yeah, Google. It's significantly more. Yeah. And so I'm kind of nervous to say that that's what it is because I haven't kept track. So I don't know if there's like a level just under rapid cycling. I don't know because it's all new to me, but but yeah, it's not as predictable. And it's really, it's really confusing because I have strategies for each one, but like four when I'm in hypomania or four when I'm depressed. But when you're going back and forth, you're like, what am I even doing? And I I find that really hard to like engage in my 
like regular activities the way it normally would. Yeah. Oh, so let's talk a little bit about those different states and phases of bipolar disorder and kind of your recommendations and tips for people as they work their way through that. So first, uh, obviously there are depressive states. So what yeah. is your advice and your biggest coping skills and strategies for when you're down, when you're in those depressive states and when yeah. they just really won't let up? Yeah. Yeah. I think the first thing is, is that I monitor my sleep. So I just want to sleep all the time. And I um, want to also want to stay, it's weird, I want to stay up late, but then I want like to sleep in the day. But unfortunately, like having children and a job and all the things isn't really conducive to that schedule. So I try to make sure that I get like 10 hours and not go too much over despite how hard it is because I know that then I get sluggish and then it, it it just adds to everything. So it is very, very difficult. Not so much on days where I have to show up, like I have to drive my kids to school um, and those kind of things. And then I just amp up the self-care, right? So I try my best, even if it's so my biggest tip, actually, this is what I do. So you can trick your brain into thinking good things about yourself. Because when you're depressed, you think you suck. You think you're not worthy. You think that you ruin everything. Uh, like all the terrible things. You're like your worst enemy. It's like this mean, mean, um, I don't want to say voice because it's not a voice, but mean, like all my thoughts are like terrible about myself. So what I do is I do a reverse to-do list. So I try and get some things done in the day, even if it's shower, even if it's you got up after 10 hours or those things, but I write them down at the end of the day and I do little boxes beside them and I check them off mm. at the end of the day so that I don't have one, even though I have in my head what I'd like to do, I don't have one in the beginning to look like a failure at the nighttime. Because I'm very ambitious in the morning. Morning, Shaylee is like you can do a lot of things, and um, and then I just and then I just beat myself up. So my reverse list really really helps, and making small goals like ridiculous goals. Like I'll say to myself like five like to walk to the end of the driveway, walk to the end of the block. Because usually once you start. I'm like, oh, I'm already out here. So I do the 20 minutes, right? Wow. But if I don't, I actually still did what I said. So you can give yourself little bursts of like serotonin and dopamine by doing these things. And I still like, I, I still take care of myself. The days that I don't have to work, so I uh, substitute. I make sure that I get dressed. I make sure that I shower because I don't know, you don't, you have to go to my Instagram to see what I look like, but I have very big, very curly hair. You cannot go a day or two without getting it wet or brushing it or unless you're like into dreadlocks or <laughs> want hours with a brush. So I make sure that I do um, just those little, little things. It's, and I also recently, oh, Allison, I'm excited to tell you this. I also recently came across this thing that it's actually a thing and it's called dopamine dressing. And it talks about how you can get dopamine by wearing your favorite, fair, very favorite outfits or colors. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's what I do. That's I what I do. I had no idea what it was. And I've been doing it for my entire life. Like I've always been someone who just expresses myself through clothes. Like it's like bright poppy colors, sparkle sequins. Like that's when I feel my best. And so when I heard of dopamine dressing, I was like, okay, yeah, that checks out because I <laughs> love, love, love to dress so fun and vibrant. And I think that people should like, it's a good way to express some of those emotions and 
Yeah. And I have for the winter, because it's winter, um, I have two like furry jackets that are, look fancy, right? So I have a leopard one and I have a black one. So even if I'm wearing like a romper underneath or something, when I go out, I have these jackets on. So they feel not, not only like armor and cozy, but I feel like it elevates <laughs> where I'm at. And even if I throw that on and sunglasses and lipstick, I'm like, I'm fancy. Meanwhile, inside I'm like, eh. It's so, so true. There was uh, a point, I remember in high school, there was a point where they told us to like all dress up for exams because like when you dress for success, it's not just a saying you actually show up better and more yeah. like in the headspace than you do if you're just like wearing sweatpants and so I think yeah do you dress up for therapy I totally dress up for therapy oh I'm doing virtual therapy right now but that's a good idea I could dress up and like come get in front of my camera all cute yeah your top the top and then sweatpants yeah I dress up it's so funny I dress up as therapy for therapy it's almost like I'm gonna come and tell you what a mess I am inside so maybe I'll just look like this on the outside I don't know but it'll trick you a little it's a thing it's a thing oh I love that and I really love how earlier you were talking about doing the small things and doing just like itty bitty bits because that whole thing about like an object in motion staying in motion and at rest staying at rest is so incredibly true when you're going through a depressive episode like if I stay in bed and do not get out of bed I'm gonna feel like complete shit and I'm gonna stay in bed longer and longer and longer so I've kind of gotten into the habit of doing like a little like break in between my feeling depressed, which like everyone's like, you can do that. And I'm like, well, not really. I still feel terrible, but I kind of just like force myself because sometimes we have to show ourselves tough love and that like, what not stubborn. What am I looking for? Discipline. Yeah. Yeah. To take care of ourselves. Even if you move, like I find, even if I move from the bed to the couch, right. You've made movement. You've, you've done something. And I actually heard, cause a lot of times I would, you know, poo-poo at all the self-care, the other things. I'm like, it doesn't actually work. It doesn't make me feel better uh, in the moment. And, or it's just so minor for all the effort that it takes. But I was reading somewhere that, um, that it helps you recover quicker, which I thought was interesting. So I keep that in my head. So even though this isn't making me feel better now it's I feel like it steps forward and it yeah and I feel like it might help me come out of faster I do not know if that is true for me but holding on to that uh, helps yeah and I'm thinking like even if so say you're gonna spend all day in bed like it's just one of those days you absolutely cannot function maybe then you get up you take like a small shower, short shower, doesn't have to be bougie. You put on a little yeah. and you brush your teeth. You have some applesauce. Like, yeah. We're talking bare minimum things. They're totally fine. You have some vitamin water. You get back in bed, you pull the sheets over. And I feel like a whole new person. Like yeah. even if I'm still just going to be resting and trying to recover, yeah. if I do some things for myself and kind of feel like I have my ducks in a row, then I get back into bed feeling so much better and so much more ready to rest. Yeah. And I tell myself, I'll say, okay, you can go back in an hour or you can go back in this. And a lot of times I end up not because not going back. I Sometimes I do, or I'll say like read or do something right. Instead of getting, getting stuck in my, in my thoughts there, I definitely, yeah, I'll promise myself like a treat or something. And I try to prepare. So I try to think, so 
nighttime Shaylee tries to prepare morning Shaylee for good things. So I'll put my tumbler of water there so that it's easy. If I like, if I'm thinking I'm going to forget my meds or whatever, like I'll put it kind of where I watch TV and put an alarm on. So I just try to make things easy for myself. And I just clear everything that's hard. That isn't like, um, isn't something I have to do. I clear that and you just focus on, on that. I make my reverse to-do list and I just try my best. Mm, I love that so much. That's all we can do, right? That's all we can do. Try our very best, show up, be alive and continue yeah. and repeat. And yeah. so now that we've covered the depressive episodes, the lower moments, let's talk a little bit about that elevated state. So first things first, I would love if you could tell my listeners just a little bit about your interpretation of mania versus hypomania and the difference. Yeah. Yeah, so I I can only speak to hypomania, but I can tell you like a difference that others have told me. So hypomania is um, it's just a like more elevated, right? But then mania it can get extreme, and mania can get closer and or turn into psychosis. Okay, so with bipolar two, hypomania is you know it's just a little bit less. So for, that looks like for me, talking way more right? Interrupting people, talking way more. It looks like to me, less sleep, which I think is similar with both less to, to no sleep. It looks like to me, super productivity. Um, I remember they said sleep when the baby sleeps. And I remember my baby would be sleeping through the night and I reorganized the entire kitchen. Like I'm talking the entire, right? The baby Not- sleeping better than you. Not normal, right? And then like for me, it also looks like spending, but it's not wild, right? Like it's not um, something that we can't recover from. It'll be like a couple hundred dollars out of budget, right? Like, and then I get these ideas and I get these things where I, like that thing that I'm going to buy is like going to change my life. Or I'll be like, guess what has been, we're going, like, we're going downhill, we're going to get diseases, we're going all organic, throw everything out, right? Like, it's all very extreme thinking. I feel and, so called out. <laughs> yeah, right. And then my biggest one is, um, my, my biggest one is wanting to, you know, just chasing things that that feel good. And um, just chasing big ideas um, like that. And I just think that I am right. And I feel like I have like this secret knowledge, and I kind of feel bad for everybody else. And I try to think about like, to try to like, think about, oh, that's a good idea. But I just did a reel. And it was like, it was like, I love that idea, except it sucks. So how about I do it? <laughs> I do another idea and then it will be good. That's me. That's the one. And you really do feel like, I think, just very certain that whatever idea you have, no matter how far-fetched it may seem, no matter how big and crazy, it's the one. Like, yeah. this is the idea that's going to make me a millionaire. That's going to solve all of my problems in world hunger. You were so certain. But then- yeah how do you feel when you crash? Yeah. Yeah. And don't tell me otherwise. Cause then I think there's something wrong. Like I think, uh, no, it's you. It's not me. Yet. Totally. <laughs> but, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, what kind of tips do you have for somebody as they're entering either, you know, a hypomanic yeah. state or just an elevated state of agitation? They need to kind of like unwind. What are some of your favorite go-to yeah. unwinding skills? 
Yeah. So I find it very, like, it's very hard to do that. And to when you're chasing the highs. So I prepare. So I write the list of things that help me and or the things um, to watch for. I've talked with my husband and other people because sometimes I don't notice when it's just, I don't notice till it's huge. And so I make that list ahead of time, like watch for this. And I'll do, I'll look at that checklist, okay? So then if I start to notice those things, I try to do um, the things that help right away. So again, this one is the same, yet opposite, bipolar. Um, I look at my sleep. And so if that sleep, I will do anything it takes to sleep. If I have to up my meds, I will. If I have to, like, I'll do all the things. I've started this new thing where I do, it's called dark therapy. So I will turn the lights, like, way down, just candles. I might even spend, like, in the like in the morning, I have blackout blinds, like, an extra five or ten minutes, like, just in the dark. Um, we have a window, but I won't turn the lights on in the shower. Like, things that don't stimulate me as much. So I'll try and do that. And then I... I try to be a detective when the ideas come in. So I'll check with other people or I'm a detective with myself. Like, is this feasible? Would uh, Down Shaley want to complete this task? Right? Yeah. I try to think about future Shaley before I commit to a bunch of things. I say, let me think about it. Do you know how hard that is? But guess what? You know what's harder, which I go and read in my journal, is when I have to backpedal. Because yep. letting people down is worse, right? And before that, I just plow through, which would um, just wreak havoc. It's on detrimental my to your mental health. And then, you know, once you're facing burnout, it's hard to even get back in front of it all. So it's so yeah. it's so important that we prevent that burnout in the first place by not biting off more than we can chew and by actually like regulating how much we're doing. Sometimes I look down at my planner from like the week before I'm hypomanic or the week that I am hypomanic. And it is insane. I am just like scheduling interview after interview and all of these different like meetings and things to do. And I'm like, where did I think I was going to get this energy? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, where did I think this energy was going to spawn from? Because I sure as shit don't have it. <laughs> Totally. And you get compliments, right? Like you get caught like, so that feeds into it. Uh, like you're doing this, you're doing that, right? And so uh, how do you do it? And I'm like, wait and see, <laughs> right? And I find one of my biggest things too is emotional regulation. And I think that people see, you know, happy and elevated and they try and think like romanticize if you haven't experienced hypomania. And for me, it, I used to think it was so much better than depression that I would ignore other signs like my anger, like my frustration, like my anxiety. And so I have like some kind of like different um, affirmations. So one will be in my head that it's like anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion. So I try and see if there's something behind it. And if there's not, then I remind myself, this is a symptom. This is a symptom. You're like, you're not going to be mad in a little bit. And I try to remind myself, like, do you want to do the apology tour? Because you don't, you don't want to do the apology tour. So walk away or find some way to deal with this anger. And I find that if I do something sensory, that helps. I use cold water. 
cool. When you said apology tour, I immediately knew exactly what you were talking about. But can you explain it for our not bipolar friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know the Taylor Swift song that goes, uh, <laughs> "It's me, hi." <laughs> and also where she talks about like where, um, uh, like all the where I have to apologize to all the ghosts and that that I haven't made, you know, haven't contacted in the room. That you can also have an apology tour for hypomania with my shortness. I have been mean. I haven't taken people's ideas into account. I've been like I'm so self-absorbed, and so I try to think about, you know, am I going to have to apologize for this later? Because then you go into the shame spiral too. Because I, uh, it's it's a symptom, right? And so is it me? And then I think like, am I inherently bad? Am I inherently selfish? And it's really hard. Like sometimes I'm like, I wish I had like a symptom where it's like low blood pressure when this happens, or I cut myself or I lose my hair because people would have sympathy or empathy for that. Right. But people don't have empathy when you're just like mean and snarky. And how do you explain that that's actually a symptom? And it's, even though you have to, it's very tricky because you have to take responsibility and yet it's a symptom. It's that both statement. It is not your fault and it is your responsibility. Right. Which is really frustrating. I, I, that I get really frustrated that because, you know, I'll ask my husband, like, I need extra grace, but we're talking about it, but you also have to take into consideration, like, even though people understand that or they give you extra grace, it doesn't mean that they don't get hurt feelings, right? Like they're still allowed to have their experience. So it's it's very tricky. So I do a lot of reminding myself. I try to do detective work. Um, yeah, and then I just check in with people about the ideas so that I don't commit to something that isn't like ever. That. So it's like you can have a designated person that you go to yeah. and you're like, hey, I just had this million dollar idea at three in the morning. What do you think? And they'll be like, okay, great idea. Or they'll be like, hey, Shaylee, when was the last time you ate something? When was right? the last time you slept a little? Yeah. And when you say, uh, you know, a lot of no's, a lot of little no's, um, then you can focus on your big yes. Right. So when I want to start a whole bunch of things, it's like, no, what's really important to me? Is that going to take away time from the podcast, which I love and which I throw myself into? Is that going to take away from content creation? Well, yeah, it is. Then I'm not going to feel good about anything because it's just all little pieces. That's the one. Oh, and that's such a good way to look at it, because then you're not losing anything or giving anything up. You are simply opting to prioritize what you already have going. And that's a huge thing for people who live with bipolar disorder is starting a project and not seeing it through. That's like a very, very common theme. Shaylee's naughty. She's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, you, even though I have to remind myself how much I love something when I start to think, well, maybe that's boring. It needs to be new and fresh. Like I remember a couple months ago, I'm like, you know, oh, I ask similar questions or maybe I suck as a podcaster, but it's resonating with people. So just be like, I got to stay the course. And then eventually that joy comes back in it. And if it doesn't for a long time, like I'll let it go through a depressive period and another period, because I can't make huge decisions when I'm way up or way down. Mm, I need to implement that rule in my life, honestly, because 
when I'm manic, sometimes when I'm hypomanic, I should say, I have been known to make like very huge life altering decisions. And then when I kind of like come down a little bit, I'm like, whoa, wait a second. And like the ramifications kind of set in and I'm like, wow, this is what this actually means. I've done things like when I moved to California, I was 100% hypomanic at the time because the decision was just made on a whim. Wow. Went into it. We were like, let's go. Like, let's go to California right now. My ex-partner sold their car. Like, we were just like, let's do this thing. We were just on a high ride. And then we got to California and we were like, huh, when we get back, what are we going to do about the car situation? One of those things that had I been like in a more stable, like level state of mind, it probably would have been like, hmm, long-term that may not be ideal. But when you're in that elevated state, you're just convinced that you know best, no one can tell you otherwise. And like your reality is the reality. Exactly. I have some um, keywords that friends or my husband asked. So I, one of my big things when I was the most hypomatic, I wanted to move to Bowen Island. So it's this hippie island. It's like everyone does their own thing. It's just very hippie. And I was going to move there. And then um, my husband's like, and it's very much known for, you know, a stereotypical, not everybody person there, you know, does their own thing. They might not, you know, they unschool their children. They may, um, you know, uh, smoke a lot of pot. They may do these things. Right. And my husband's like, do you do those or identify with those things? And I'm like, well, no, but maybe I will. So the <laughs> cue is like, yes, I'll say, I want to move to Bowen Island or he'll say, how are you feeling right now? If I do, you want to move to Bow? Are you feeling like you want to move to Bowen Island? And if I say yes, then we're like, okay, kick it into high gear, get in a dark room, let's, you know, do the things you have to do so that you don't fly. So oh my gosh, that's so relatable though. And I need to figure out what mine is. Mine is usually yeah. just like adding a level to my business or a layer. I'm like, I'm also gonna do this, and I'll specialize in this and that. And right, just being able to catch it, I feel like it's the hardest part because I think a lot of people when they are hypomanic and having all these grand ideas yeah it's hard for us for sure to hear like these are not the best ideas in the world or like maybe these are a little jumble or misguided it's not an easy thing to hear and it's like you said become kind of defensive and be like are you plotting on my fall are you trying to sabotage me exactly and it's like is this in my lane, right? I think about my goals. I think about what I love. I think about, and if it's not in this, that lane or helping me move towards those goals, then it's probably hypomania and not a Shaley idea. Yeah. Figuring out which ideas are yours yeah. versus which are me, me yeah. induced. And just because they're good ideas. And just because I do have the skill set to do it doesn't mean I should. Oh, oh, that's powerful because we we have a purpose, right? We have a path and it's not to say, don't go try new things, go try new things, but try two, not, you know, (laughs) two, try two, not 10, not Not 15, like, don't text people from your past with great. Oh, that's my thing. Oh, look, I know when I'm sending like 50 zillion messages. My friends know because we have this WhatsApp group with my favorite. We call ourselves the Circle of Awesome. Oh. And um, if I like, if I within 24 hours send more than like 10 to 15 messages, they're like, hey, 
just checking in. But my big thing, and this is where social media, I love it for all of the connections and advocacy, but it's bad because you can find people that you think that you need to contact and then you have to ghost them or deal with the things. Like I had a broken engagement. If y'all want to hear about that juicy story, go back to the beginning of my podcast. But um, uh, so uh, when I was the worst and had to go get help in the beginning, I like contacted him and was like, I forgive you. Like he didn't give a crap. Like I was like, not even like, it was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. I can relate though. I can really relate to that. There's a symptom of BPD that goes along with being like, thinking that relationships are more relevant and prominent than they are. And I struggled very bad with that for a long time. And I would reach out to like flings, like people I hooked up with one time and I'd be like, I'm thinking of you. I hope you're well. I would love to reconnect. I really feel like there's something there. These people are like, we don't want to talk to you. But at the time I would be like hypomanic and wanting to reach out to people and also like struggling with that BPD tendency of wanting to think that people and relationships mean more than they do. And so that would lead to me reaching out to people. I love this feature that Instagram has where you can just like block people because even though you don't necessarily want to block them, you're blocking yourself. Like if I block you, it's because I'm, I'm helping you. I'm making sure I don't reach out to you. So if I block you, it's not a diss. I'm trying to save you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bless them and block them. I love that so much. Okay. So we did tips for dealing with hypomania, dealing with depressive episodes. What was the process? Okay. Here comes my, my things about to do it the video let's stop the video so I can focus there we go the ghost was coming back you guys it's all good we got this um what was the process like for you when you were coming to terms with your diagnosis when you were like really starting to grasp understand and fully accept like okay I'm living with bipolar disorder this is what is going on what was that journey like for you yeah bumpy (laughs) (laughs) um uh polar So basically, like I went for the help. So I wasn't someone that was completely shocked because I knew and I had gone for help before and I had even brought it to my GP, general practitioner, doctor, doesn't specialize in mental illness um, or mental health. And so uh, we brought like, hey, Emma, could I be bipolar? I thought maybe it was like BMDD. I don't know. The one about um, Yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one. And could it be this? Could it be that? Right? Could it be an eating disorder? Because I get eating disorderish when I'm depressed because it's the only thing I can control. But then I not even it's not even a thing seven months out of the year, right? So I kept searching and searching, and this doctor was not um, yeah, I don't completely blame him because you can't be good at everything, but he flat out told me I couldn't be bipolar because I wouldn't have my degree, I wouldn't be a good mom, and I'm I am all of those things. Therefore, I can't be it. So no, we love doctors playing into the stigma. Fabulous. Right. Right. And so um, that night that I went to the hospital to get, well, I was just hoping for a sleeping pill, but I, when they were like, you need this, you know, a psyche valve and all that I was in, I was like, yes. Like, I did not want to feel like this. This is going on 15 years, folks. Like, I don't want to. So I would do anything. And they didn't admit me to the psych ward. But there was this other place. I call it the toothpaste place, Crest, um, Community Residential Short Stay Treatment, maybe. And um, 
I was going to go there to wean off the Zoloft that made me actually hypomanic and high and triggered it and then be put on the other medicine. And I had a three and five-year-old, so I didn't really want to do that in front of them. So they, I was like lucky enough. There's like rarely beds here to go to this place and I could come and go. Um, but I was, I was committed. No, not. Yeah. I wasn't committed. I was committed to the process. <laughs> so anyways, that was so funny. That was pun not intended. <laughs> I was like, that was amazing. I don't know if you meant to do that, but that rocks. I should have went with it. People would think I was super brilliant. Anyways. Um, but I, so then when I finally um, got home, like they started saying mood disorder, they never really said bipolar. But when I finally got home, I demanded my entire file, which was ridiculous because it was huge. And then it said bipolar in it. So I felt like this relief and I felt like it was this, um, yeah, it just, I'm not inherently bad as a person. Like it was just this huge relief, huge relief. But then also it, the meds didn't start working right away. Like this was a process and I was coming off one or whatever. So I would have days where it's like, no, and I wouldn't believe it. And I, I had a lot of like anger. And then what does this mean? How do I tell people? Some days I wanted everyone to know because it was such a big part of me. And then some days I didn't want anyone to know. So those are really, really confusing. Can you relate with me? Do you ever do this thing? So I will, I don't know if I'm hypomanic or not. I'll just be in this like more elevated state. I'll record like a really vulnerable podcast. I'll be so passionate about the message and sharing and being so vulnerable and transparent. And then a week later, I'll be like, oh my God, oh my God, why did I post that? Everyone thinks I'm a fucking lunatic. I'm going to jail. Every, almost every podcast that isn't interviewing someone else, like probably more like quarterly now, but use monthly, like sometimes Julie with my co-host, we'd be like, let's tear it all down or sometimes I'm still like nobody cares like why are you you're putting yourself out there and you're on this Instagram and on this podcast and you're just attention seeking or what I tell myself that and then I remind myself and I look at the messages I have a whole folder in my phone like some people say oh you probably get a lot of messages and I do but I read every single one and I put it in my it's called remember why you do this folder and I reread them but yeah I have vulnerability hangovers all the time I actually give myself space or I look at what the next day is going to be like when I'm planning podcasting because I do have a vulnerability hangover if I keep going it's I'm going to crash I have to give myself that space oh that's powerful oh I really like that and I love the word vulnerability hangover because that's exactly what it is like you wake up the next day and you go oh shit (laughs) I wish I wouldn't have done that and it's it's the same thing and I definitely feel you on the whole like looking at your partner and being like let's tear this down because I do that I'm really glad that I have my virtual assistants I have my team because sometimes I'll just be like I'm not just going to rebrand. I'm going to like change everything and (laughs) things are actually working and I like them. I just get that burst of like, must do something must. I feel like there's a little bug that I get in my ear around the time that I start feeling elevated. And it's always like, do more. You got to accomplish more. You have to become someone you're running out of time, which is so, so ridiculous to be experiencing and living in my mid twenties but it's been something I've been dealing with since like 18. I've always just been like, Oh my God, the clock is ticking. Look at these people around you. They have so much money in their bank accounts. They have like families. They have all of these things. What are you doing? And yeah. I, yeah, I really had to lean into like radical acceptance of like, 
I am where I am because that's exactly where I'm meant to be right now. And if I wasn't where I'm at right now, I wouldn't be able to help the people that I'm helping, yeah. the people that I'm serving. I wouldn't be able to expand my message out into the world. And yeah, I just would not be on my path the way that I am. And so, yeah, that's why I hate the thing where it's like, I know it's supposed to be inspirational, but it's like, uh, you know, this is your one wild and beautiful life. Treat every day like that. I'm like, that is a lot of pressure. Okay. That is a lot of pressure. Don't put that on me. And I get, I very much have this thing where I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a handprint somewhere that is good. Or I want, uh, you know what I mean? I want to be extraordinary. And sometimes, and I want my life to be extraordinary. And so I get really frustrated at the mundane. I get really frustrated at making dinner every night. Or this isn't feeding into my you know, I am above this. My like soul's I just, passion. Right. And then it's like, but those things, what's my other deep, what's more important to me than being, you know, remarkable or whatever is having deep and beautiful, messy, wonderful relationship. And if I'm always trying, you know what I mean? There's a fine line. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I do those things, um, the mundane things, the other things fall in place. Right, And I think also like if we don't do those mundane things, we won't be able to do anything else, right? If you're not showering, eating, cleaning, how are you going to have this big, crazy, adventurous, meaningful life if you're not getting out of bed? Oh, there's, even though it's annoying, you eating dinner every night is like a must. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's, I don't care what it is, eat. It doesn't feel like that's what I try to explain to people about hypomania is that these things feel unimportant and it's actually like almost physically impossible or painful to sit down or to think about what you're going to eat. And so I have a whole, but I call it mom's fancy frozen feasts. And when I'm feeling like this, I fill the freezer with things that are easy to heat up. I don't make a lot of things from scratch. I buy all the stuff just because that time or remembering, I remember at five 30 that, Oh, I kind of agreed to feed my family. So I try and set myself up for success that way. And who cares if you're having a TV dinner, it's dinner. Mm. Exactly. And you know, I think this is a conversation that needs to happen. Um, I think, you know, it obviously is very important. Eat your greens, eat your vegetables, try to eat good, healthy foods. But the thing is when you live with bipolar disorder or other psychiatric conditions or mood disorders that affect your appetite, sometimes it is hard as fuck to even eat that cup of macaroni and cheese. So eat the macaroni. Don't try to force yourself to eat broccoli because you read online that you have to eat well to have good mental health. Like I'm going to just you know, say that's kind of bullshit to me, at least in my reality. And if you can only manage like whatever it is, like anything, anything that sounds good. My go-to is I've been making chocolate dipped strawberries and then I'll get like a tray of like fresh apples and bananas and blueberries. And then I'll have my chocolate strawberries and I'll eat that because yes, it is a little bit healthy with the fruit, but it's also chocolate. And I get excited about eating it and I want to eat it. And that's the hardest part for me is getting the desire to eat. So if you're at a place where you're like, I can't eat, I can't eat. And the internet's telling me I need to eat grilled chicken and fried rice. Yeah. Permission slip to order pizza. If that's what you can manage. 
Yeah. Or fit as much stuff as you can. Or, or I'll like feel bad because I buy smoothies because even the thought of making it and getting the ingredients is too much. So I try and shove as much or there are those, I take those greens pills. Like, you know what I mean? If I can't get, can't get things in. And one of the things that was life-changing for me is ordering groceries online because I uh, I don't get distracted because that's one thing in the grocery store, especially I don't you guys probably don't have it's called the Great Canadian Superstore we have here, but it's like it has clothing, it has house stuff and food. Like I'm screwed if I go like there. Walmart. And, it's like a Walmart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Walmart. And um, but it's a little bit more, the clothes are a little bit more higher end, you know what I mean? Oh, and okay. so then I also think I can trick myself because I'm like, oh, a five hundred dollar grocery bill doesn't look bad. It's like, no. You literally bought some pizza and like five outfits, right? So ordering online makes me feel focused and I don't forget things. So yeah, it helps with executive dysfunction too. Like when I'm very depressed and like I cannot do things and it is like very hard to even get out of bed. That's when I have Walmart delivery come and bring my groceries literally to my front door and I pay 10 extra dollars. But if I'm not eating... Yeah, I need to eat. That's step one. Step one is like taking care of yourself, bare minimum stuff. Step two is feeding yourself. And then we can go to the self-fulfillment and self-actualization. But first, let's take care of our needs. And if you're someone listening that loves someone with bipolar disorder and wants to help them when they're hypomanic or manic, bring them those things right and sit with them um you know while they eat it or uh, that is very very helpful um you know can i pick up your grocery order those kind of things so 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 helpful right and then don't expect anything in return just like drop it off depressed drop it off at my door because the thought of having to thank you and all those things mm-hmm. are 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 scary right and then if i'm hypomanic maybe stay and make sure i eat it so though it's just such a practical thing you could you can do for people mm, I, I love this conversation about loving someone with bipolar disorder i'd love to talk a little bit more about that so what kinds of advices do you have for someone who loves somebody with bipolar disorder i know that one that I frequently share on my show is, you know, when you love somebody, it can be hard to set those boundaries, but do keep in mind that boundaries are there to protect you both. They're not to separate you or put lines in between you. They're actually there to make the relationship stronger in a safer space. And so I have friends who kind of have to set some boundaries with me sometimes, like I'll be manic and like hypomanic and I'll be like, let's go out, let's go out here and here and there and there. And they're like, Allison, we don't want to do that. If you want to do that, you can do that. But like, we're feeling good. And so what kind of advice do you have to share? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge question that we get asked a lot of time. And we do like to refer back. We have like three episodes, full episodes on that things that help loving someone with uh, bipolar disorder. So those, so um, one of my, it's so hard because a lot of times I get one like what if they don't want to get help but you're right about the boundaries and I just say to to folks take care of yourself because you're also modeling right you go to your therapy you do the self-care you right because you can very easily become codependent and then it actually enables us to be be how we are right we still need to be gently talked about if we're being mean or um those kind of things i find i've asked um my people to write it down whether it be a letter or text or something because um then I can actually think about it because I it's very hard not to react in the moment. And so it helps me not be as mean, right? Yeah. And then I can reread it or that. So, you know, a, a little note like that. I think just 
flat out asking a person. I remember the first time my friend did this for me and she said, what do you need in this moment? And I didn't know, but I was, I thought about it because you know what we do? We help people the way we think that way we think they need help. Oh my gosh. Write that down. Underline that guys. If you get anything, that's the one. My best friend, Raina, I look up to her so much. She is the queen of just knowing how to be supportive in that way. Like she will come to me and be like, do you want advice or do you want to vent? Do you want to be yeah. heard or do you want this? Do you want to be validated? And she's, she sent me groceries when I'm going through an episode and like offered to run me a bath and like bring me Chinese food and just like really, really wonderfully supportive. And I like really look up to her in like a sense of, I want to be that safe space for my friends. And I want to learn how to help people in a way that's helpful for them rather than a way that is like convenient or quick or easy for me, which sometimes when I'm hypomanic and I'm in that more self-centered kind of space, it's hard for me to stop and recognize like, oh, I want to look after my friends too, because I'm just like me, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think to validate first, like we want to fix, we want to help the phrase that I know touches me and touches other people. And I use it over. And sometimes I feel so dorky because I say it so much on my Instagram, Instagram, but it's like Instagram. <laughs> I got an accent all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> We've been talking for too long. She's a Midwesterner now. Totally. Um, and so uh, that sounds hard or that must be really difficult for you, or I'm sorry you're experiencing this, yeah. boom. I It immediately lowers my blood pressure, like everything, my body, my shoulders relax. I'm just like, yes, thank you for recognizing that before fixing, like wanting to fix me. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is asking me, or, and sometimes that's too much pressure, especially if you're depressed. So you say, I would love to do this for you. Would that be helpful? Mm, 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 mm. this is good this is powerful this is right? Stuff. Mm. right and get to know the things because a lot of times we have a lot of anxiety or whatever get to know the things like I'll so I have a big thing and my co-host Julie had it too like with parking or say uh, I'm worried about you know what to wear or that kind of thing I love it when people give me a bunch of details or they know me the best so uh Julie had said one friend emailed her all the directions of where to park and this and that do you know what I mean and took away so much anxiety for that so that she actually did go out or if you say like hey I you know I'm wearing this I think this is the vibe you know and give me like we will leave at nine o'clock or, or, you know, more details. Yeah. And especially to what makes me anxious, right? And then even have a plan, like, I'm afraid I'm going to talk too much and then regret it or cut people off and regret it. She'll be, then we'll come up with a signal. And it seems, um, you know, ridiculous, but these things are huge. They're huge. I'm just sitting here listening. I'm like, that is exactly what I need in my life. Like, it's those times where, we get so excited and just like so passionate and lit up that we just want to talk, 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 talk. And then before we know it, we're talking over people. And the thing is your friends with bipolar disorder, they don't mean to cut you off and talk over you. There's such a like stigma that every single person with a mental illness is inherently like abusive or like has malintentions. And it's just not the case. You know, there are abusive people who live with bipolar disorder and there are abusive people who have absolutely nothing wrong with them mentally and are just abusive 
right? Yeah. And so it's safe to say that there are also people who live with all kinds of serious psychiatric conditions and still remain not abusive or are at least doing their best and making those changes and trying to do better and better. And so, yeah, I had a really deep conversation with a friend today about how social media is helping with the stigma, but it's also hurting because I have seen beautiful TikToks about like, here are some ways to support a friend with this disorder. And I've seen horrible TikToks that are like three signs, your partner is a narcissist and has BPD and has schizophrenia, like all of these things. And it's just demonizing and weaponizing diagnoses rather than using them as a tool to provide people support and resources. So that's where it gets so murky for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of people ask me to talk a lot about like bring on people that love people with diet. Uh, bipolar disorder or even my husband or things like that but I have to know my audience and know my people and that's actually harmful it is hard for me to listen to someone else talk about how hard it is to be married to someone there was something online I don't want to out them but it's something about like oops or whoops I married bipolar or something like that and I like almost had a spiral about that I was like that is awful and also don't tell other people's story like don't tell my story right bing 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 Bing. you can tell your own and how it affects you and i've just learned that people need that space too that i need to i need to stay away because a lot of times i know these people follow me and want to find out things but and it's not offensive that i can't follow you back it's just too hard to hear i'm so hard on myself hearing that you know, and I have messages like that too. I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, um, it sounds like you want to be a supportive partner. I think probably you'd find more support in other spaces because yeah. it's too hurtful. It hurts yeah. my Exactly. And you're here to support the people who are living with bipolar disorder. And, you know, for all of those videos that talk about the effects of loving someone with bipolar disorder, those are valid and your feelings are so, so totally. valid. But also, I should say not but, but and people with bipolar disorder also are hurt from living with bipolar disorder and maybe on a larger scale, considering you as the person loving them have the option to walk away. You can terminate a relationship and say, this is the end. This is my boundary. I'm done. Whereas somebody living with bipolar disorder, I never get to break up with this. I never get to be like, Hey, bipolar ring ring. I'm out. I'm done. You're abusive. You're mean to me. Click. I don't get to do that. It's going to always be a little part of me peeking out and like trying to bring down my success and trying to bring down my stability. And so, yeah, there's a really long winded way to say that, but I think you catch up. Yeah, I totally do. And I think too, I remember this powerful, um, hard thing to hear, but someone said, you know, even living with a disorder like bipolar is traumatic. And so if you can imagine we can't always react or behave the way that we would like, because it's not like we can, it's not like the trauma ends. We're re-traumatized almost every episode. And so living like that and having your body live in that space is a really, really hard. And it's really hard to show up, at, you know, as, as our best selves or, or, or explain that to other people, because people are like, Oh, you have a pot. You're doing so well. You're thriving. Yes but with something, right? It doesn't go away. And I think I remember someone in this event I was speaking at, it's like, well, you take medicine, so it's better, right? I'm like, it's like it's muting. I heard a comedian say it was like there, someone sitting on them and telling them like, settle down, but you're not. Taylor Tomlinson, I love that. Yeah. Someone sitting on my chest going, shh. Yeah, 
it's going to be okay. Right. And so that, that grappling with that, that even though, you know, there's times of ups, downs, and there's times where you think euthymia, where you're, you know, just balanced, but it's always there. Like I've just come out in the past two weeks out of this depression and I'm like, yes. And I can see light again. And it's like relief. And then in the same breath, I'm like, oh, but I have to be careful that it doesn't go that high. Like there's never a time where it just, you know, I have to work really hard to have the time to just be and to just, you know, remind myself like, you, you know what to do, you know what to do, because I'm always thinking what's next. And that's a really weird state to live in. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not the mindful state to live in. And I've really lately, that's been my buzzword, like mindfulness. How can I be more mindful? How can I be aware? Because anxiety exists in the future and in the past. And if you're always living in a future, what's going to happen? What if state of mind or in the past obsessing, ruminating, you're never going to feel that true joy and that true fulfillment that comes from just being, just being in the present moment. And sometimes that means sitting with shitty feelings. I think that there's like this assumption that mindfulness equals happiness and feeling good all the time. But sometimes being mindful means being like, okay, this shit sucks. Like this morning at work, I was crying. I was the only one in office. I was just working through some stuff. I just started bawling and I was like, I'm going to let this happen. I am not going to go try to self-medicate or try to push this down or cover this up. I'm literally just going to sit here and be raw and feel this because there is nothing wrong with, with feeling your feelings, hiding from your feelings, shoving them down that can have long-term consequence, but actually sitting with them, you're going to feel bad, but you're not going to die. And I used to think that mindfulness was unattainable, right? Because it's very, very hard, but it's this, I didn't realize that it can be very, very small, right? Say I can sit quiet, say it's only 60 seconds, that still counts, right? Watching my thoughts float by, that still counts. I would just be like, that's unattainable, good for you, right? And I I struggle with the, and I just, I don't know if I reposted it, but I'll check. But I want to repost this thing that a lot of people are like, listen to your body. Yes. But also recognize I can't completely trust my gut, especially when I'm hypomanic. And so to say those things to me and assume, you know, and it's like, well, the body's always right. You have your inner knowing. And it's like, depending on the day, like that's a really weird feeling to not be able to trust your brain and body. And so when I see the, like, I get really sad because I also believe those things like the body keeps score, the, all these things. And also it, it's like, it makes me so sad, but I'm, it's one thing that I'm dealing with right now and that I'm working through, but right now I'm in the sad state and I'm all work on living yeah. you know, alongside it. But right now I'm in the sad state of that makes me really sad that I can't always trust my knowing. Yeah. And that's the thing about being a spiritual badass with bipolar is I, every part of me is like, trust your intuition, trust your intuition, your intuition will always guide you. But sometimes my intuition uh, gets jumped on the way to work by our friend, Mr. Uh, Impulsivity. And then yeah. he's the one in my brain telling me what to yeah. do. And that's yeah. not necessarily the best. Like the knowing is locked in the trunk and the driver and the passenger and all the people you've picked up <laughs> don't know the right thing, right? Or confusing you. You're like, hey, let me out. So it's more like that. So I don't believe you don't have it at all. But I think that's where you're having your people you check in with, having your checklists, having those things. Then I think that it clears the way for your intuition. And I can live with that because 
I find those posts as beautiful as they are. I find, I just feel like, yeah, right. I can't do that. Right. That right. was my kind of defeatist kind of thing. And I'm like, no, I just need to do my best to uh, make space, make a path for that intuition. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think a lot can be said about making things your own, because I remember the first time I heard about affirmations or meditation, I was like, bullshit, not real will never work for me. And that's yeah. because I was expecting myself to look exactly like these meditation gurus or look exact, you know, I was expecting it to be the exact same as what I was seeing. And that's not the reality for me. Meditation is like right before bed, when there's silence, I just sit there and think to myself, all right, let's allow this stream of consciousness to flow without interrupting it, without distracting ourselves. And so it can look so different, your coping skills. And so when you look at a coping skill and you're like, that's not for me, try adjusting it. So it is for you. Try making it for you. Yeah. And it'll be different at different times. So people I follow for affirmations, when I'm like, really, really sad, I need more like, you know, beautiful, soft kind of ones. But when I'm like angry or hyper or whatever, I follow the ones where they like drop the F bomb. And they're like, funny. And so and I'm like, that is still an affirmation. And I feel like, you know, I feel like a good, well placed F bomb is like, just magical to me. So there's a few people that I follow. And I'm like, yes, Yes. So I have different ones at different times, right? Because I used to feel so guilty that I was like rolling my eyes at like the, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, I don't know, there's like rainfall and you are special and I make those, but they only speak to me at certain times. I, and I do have to say the one that I will openly and loudly roll my eyes at is the good vibes only. I, I will roll my All eyes. All vibes at. welcome. All vibes. All vibes. Okay. I, we are human. All right. Unless some of you are cyborgs out there and I'm unaware if you're aliens, like we are all on this earth feeling all kinds of shit, happiness, sadness, excitement, confusion, love, yeah. hate, like lust. We, we feel it all. And to yeah. look at ourselves and put ourselves into this box of only positive feelings are welcome. We are shutting down an entire yeah. side of life and there is beauty and pain. There's beauty and healing. There's beauty and grief. And we are closing the door to all that when we say yeah. good vibes only smiley face. Yeah. And that's why, like, I, uh, I say a lot of my other account when I first started, just my personal kind of starting advocacy account was called messy beauty with Shaylee. And I love say, saying stay messy and beautiful, right. And beauty and chaos that seems real and honest and attainable to me. Right. So much. That's beautiful. Oh, this conversation's been so good. We actually just passed an hour. I'm so surprised. <laughs> it did not feel like an hour. It felt like 20 minutes. I looked down and thought we'd have all the time. I was like, whoa, we're getting up there. So Shaylee, I would love for you to share with my listeners how they can connect with you, how they can listen to your podcast, stay in the loop with you. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so you can listen to the podcast. It's called, this is bipolar. It's wherever you get your podcasts. We have one, we start um, way back when Julie and I were co-hosting together and she moved on to write her book. Um, so we have a bunch of her together. I have a couple single ones. And then my favorite that I've been doing a lot of lately is called Conversations With, where I talk to any and all people that have bipolar disorder. So those are all there. And then I've, there's a vibrant community, Instagram community, um, where we talk about all the things. So I'll post a reel or a question or every Thursday we have a thankful Thursday or we talk about the hard and nitty gritty um, messy stuff there so you are 
very welcome. Send me DMs. I always read them. Sometimes it takes me a while, depending what state I'm in, but I read every single one and just connect with me there. I've just started to be on TikTok. So the Instagram and TikTok are at this.is.bipolar. So I'm working on the TikTok stuff. So I'm right so now it's for you. I know, I know. My kids are like, finally, mom, I got it together. So yeah, so find find me on there. I've just my favorite thing is to connect and gather so that people don't feel alone. Mm, so beautiful. And thank you so much for coming on. This was an indescribably beautiful episode. I'm probably gonna post this tonight and listen to it because I'm already just like lit up by it. I'm like, my listeners are gonna love this. I find more and more each day people coming into my inbox being like, Hey, I think I'm struggling with this or like support on this. And that's what this is all about. So before we get off this, just a few things to think about before they escape my mind, um, camp heart, my inner child healing retreat. There are two spots left still Two are gone. So if you want to grab one of those last two spots, let me know. We're going to Tampa. We are going to play and create and heal. It's going to be very beautiful. And then what was the other one? Oh yeah. If you haven't yet, be sure to join my free virtual mental health support community. It has been blowing up lately. I've been loving it. We're up to like 40 people. People are popping in with therapy wins to be celebrated and supported and cheered for. People are popping in with just random views from their apartment. People are popping in, asking for advice, sharing resources. So it's a really amazing place to connect with a lot of like-minded people. I almost said Mike-minded. Like-minded people. (laughs) exactly connect with those mic lined people and just yeah come and be supported and be loved and yeah I would love to see you there it's on discord it will be in the show notes I think that like yeah pretty much everything will be in the show notes all of Shaylee's links all the links to my websites go get my free workshops if you haven't yet I'm trying to make more content for you guys I just love being able to just like put it out there and share it with y'all so this has been so much fun and this has been uh, polar definitely and this has been real um and yeah this has been wishing you